Hey, it's Lori. So I cannot believe it's really time to wind down season three of Hike. I am so thankful for all of you listeners. You helped me reach a big milestone this season. I hit over 100,000 downloads. And it's a pretty amazing thing for a small podcast like this with no big sponsors and just word of mouth and really being part of this great community. So I decided to close out my interviews with Benny Braden. Uh, You may also know him as Plug It In Hikes. Benny has uh, been a part of the podcast since season one. I've interviewed him uh, each season. And also he was part of Basecamp Chat, where four of us got together and just chatted about hiking, like you would if you were around the campfire. In this episode, Benny and I just get to catch up. We do talk a little bit about the Benton Mackay Trail. I know that's been a trail that listeners have wanted me to focus on, so I wanted to throw a bit of that in there. However, our main focus for today is really talking about saving our Smokies and also the work that him and others have done for cleanup of Max Patch and the focus on getting people to recreate responsibly and to educate on Leave No Trace. Also, we'll touch on some upcoming adventures that he has planned, including some partnership he's doing with Chris of Outmersive Films, and uh, we'll talk a little bit about some of his plans for this spring and summer, including some events that you may want to add to your calendar if you're down in the North Carolina, Tennessee area. So join me and Benny as we chat about one of my favorite, favorite places, the Great Smoky Mountains. Hey, yes, I hear you now. (laughs) Yay. How are you doing? How are you? I'm good. I'm good. You know, yeah, life is good. I I tell everybody I'm living my best life. You know, I'm, I'm happy. Little stress. You know, nobody uh-huh. here to cause me stress, so that's that's good. So, uh, yeah, it's just me and my my daughter, and we're all good. Good. You know? Yeah. So, Benny, it's just so good to see you. You know, it's funny because you were my first interview or the first recorded it wasn't my first episode but Mm -hmm. first interview and now um you're the last one for season three so you know kind of bookending here for a little bit yeah so and and i've also done it three times now so that's Ah, i've done it once a season yes that's true yeah yeah that's kind of cool yeah it's cool so um you know we both have a common uh love and passion for the smokies um, and, and the mountains. And of course, um, you know, we, we did our, our thing with base camp chat last year, but you know, we haven't really caught up. And I think we were, uh, it was on Instagram and I was, I think talking about the Benton Mackay trail and, and, uh, cause I had a listener that might've recommended said, Hey, I want to learn more about this or, you know, these trails that are 
are not as well i guess is they're popular but they're just not you know like the appalachian trail or something like that mm-hmm. so trying to focus on those so and i remember i do remember when you hiked it um because i remember it wasn't yeah. all good <laughs> there was there was yeah. so so i yeah so let's talk about that let's talk about what you're doing with the smokies and everything and mm-hmm. uh max patch and then also i want to chat about i know there's a new project going on you know in alaska so I was like, you know, that's right up my alley because I, I, you know, I love Alaska and have some ties there too. So yeah, I'm I'm excited to catch up. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, I guess where do we start? I guess we start with the bit macaw. Yes. Uh, my bit macaw story is two parts. In 2018, me and a good friend Will Wood. Uh, a lot of people know him by Redbeard. We did, uh, we attempted to do a through hike of the Ben Mackay Trail. Our day one was nothing but rain. I uh, slipped and twisted my ankle four times on day one. And so by middle, of, I made it to the halfway point. And by that time, I was taking 4,000 milligrams of Ibu per day just to be able to walk, which is like horrible for my kidneys. But I was determined not to not to quit. And then Will slipped and bust his knee on a rock, which swelled up the size of a grapefruit. And at that point, he's getting off trail. And I had to reevaluate my priorities. Mm-hmm. That year, I had the long trail scheduled for May. We were talking about we were in March. In May, we were doing the long trail. June into july we were going to be doing uh the john muir trail then immediately after we were going to do the uinta highline trail which where we made highline so those are three very important trails that that i did not want to miss and i wanted to be healthy so i made the choice at halfway point to bail and get healthy I, i immediately went into like rehab and therapy and all that for for all my ailments, but um, I came back the following year and redid it and completed it. And I released a video series on that over on my YouTube channel. A lot of people reference that today and I didn't think it was that great of a video video series, but everybody's like, this is the go-to, you know, this is the one I go to whenever I'm trying to learn about the bit Mackay. So it's very, very nice to hear people talk like that. Does it start out at Springer as well? I, I thought it, it does, doesn't yeah. it? Okay. Yeah, it starts on top of Springer Mountain, roughly about a tenth of a mile to two tenths from where the AT actually, the actual terminus of the AT. It's just between there and the parking lot, there's a side trail there. That's the official start of the, the southern terminus of the Benton Macau Trail. And it, it, ex- it extends um 290 miles ish uh all the way into the smokies and ends at big creek there's no plaque there's no like sign that says congratulations you just finished the bit a 290 mile long trail no that does not exist there's only a single blaze and i'm still having conversations with the park service as to why the Benton Mackay Trail Association can't put a plaque 
And as well as whenever whenever you do the bent Mackay, you have to, you know, before you enter the park, it's not like the AT when you're through hiking and you just buy a through hiker permit and you just camp at any of the shelters along the AT on the way through. You don't have that luxury on the bent Mackay when you're entering the Smokies to stay at any of the campsites along the bent Mackay route in the Smokies. You have to register and pick your permits for each individual each campsite oh. before you get there because there's no service inside the park. So and you may not know. That's another yeah. thing. Okay. Yeah, I've had that conversation with them, and they said their computer system doesn't allow a thru-hiker permit for the Ben Mackay. To me, which their reasoning is because it doesn't start or or finish 50 miles you know, oh, either side of your through hike. Yeah. Only on one only side. From only on one side. But to me, it's like, this is the northern terminus. Come on. This is like a major trail. You should be honored that it's coming through your park. But yeah. I'm still having that conversation. I've not given up yet, but uh, maybe one day. Yeah, because, um, you know, it's, don't treat it like the little brother. It's a, mm, it's a major mm, trail. Mm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, the namesake of the yeah, guy who uh, envisioned the Appalachian Trail. Yes. I mean, you would think that uh, at least that you could get some recognition, but I don't know. Yeah. Well, let me ask you a couple a couple questions about the Batman okay. guy. You know, what's the terrain like if you're going through the Smokies and everything? Um, I, I feel like I remember you had to do some, like, bushwhacking. You Did you have some dogs chasing you? Like, I, I don't know. It seemed like there was some, some challenges with this. And so I just want to point out if there's anything, like, people need to be, you know, aware of. Inside the Smokies, everything was great. Mm -hmm. Didn't have any problems. Um, it was outside the Smokies where we ran into just minor little issues, obviously, it depends on the time of year that you that you do it. I went in basically late winter whenever I did my hike. That's ten that's I kinda like that time of year to hike this area. But you still get a lot of vines and little blackberry bushes and things like that, little thorny vines that grow up over the trail in certain areas and that becomes an issue. You know, uh, especially the section between the Topico Lodge and Fontana Village. Uh, that section gets overgrown really quick for some reason. And I just got tired of, like, walking through there, you know, and having to move vines out of the way. So I just started just walking, and it chewed my legs up pretty good. Uh, it does a lot of people that way. But outside that, the Georgia section of the Big Mackay Trail, straight up straight down they don't believe in switchbacks so that's really tough on the achilles really tough on the feet and legs and your knees my good friend darwin just you know just had the bell on his bent macaque trail through hike exactly where i bailed at he made it to the halfway point you know just it, it's so aggressive and it's hard to do the miles that we're normal that we're used to doing there whenever you're just it's such steep terrain and stuff like that. So, so don't um, even if you're an AT through hiker, don't think, don't, I guess, don't underestimate the Benton Mackay is what you're saying. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, you know, I've got thousands of miles under my belt as well as Darwin, and we both had the bell 
on the Denton Mackay at some point in time, you know, just because we were trying to approach it like a normal trail, like, like you would the AT or, or the Foothills Trail or any other trail that's in the area. You can't do that with the Denton Mackay. The Denton Mackay will humble you pretty quick and will require you to do maybe a little less mileage. And you do have a few little roadblocks and that's where we ran into the dog at. And I mean, the dog wasn't biting me. He was kind of pushing me with his muzzle, you know, like nipping at uh, you. just kind of tell me that, yeah, kind of tell me, keep moving. But I know, which I, I just paid him no attention. You okay. know, he was just a little, he was a kind of a shorter little pit bull. I, I don't, I don't see him as being, I personally didn't see it as being too, too aggressive or anything like that. He just didn't like being in his neighborhood. And, um, but there's a lot of people who get bit. And, and there's been a couple of people to have gotten bit in that area, my, maybe by the same dog, who knows. But, you know, if you square up with one, you know, and you're, you're trying to be confrontational too, you know, you, you're going to provoke. Mm-hmm. You're going to get back what you provoke if the dog's not afraid of you. So I just ignore him, you know. And he only did that like maybe 15 feet, 20 feet. Somewhere in okay. that neighborhood, and he gave up on me. Like his territory, you know, you know, where he was, and then he was. Yeah, oh, completely, yeah, completely. And I just, I just kept my speed, kept my stride, didn't change anything up. The only thing I changed is I had my little camera, and I just showed. Because if he did bite me, I wanted to catch it on camera, mm-hmm. you know. So, uh, so that could be dealt with or whatever. But yeah. So the Smokies part of the hike. What section does it, I'm trying to kind of envision, what section of the Smokies does it go through, um, like in some of the other trails? Yeah, yeah, you'll actually cross, you'll cross Fontana Dam. Okay, the same. And instead of going, so you're there with the AT, so instead of going up the mountain and follow the ridge line of the Smokies like the Appalachian Trail does, the Bit Mackay follows the Lakeshore Trail. So you're going around the lake, around Fontana Lake. And you're just kind of weaving in and out of the little coves and stuff. And you'll go up some hills and things like that. But for the most part, you'll take Lakeshore uh, Trail all the way to the Tunnel to Nowhere, uh, basically Bryson City, uh, almost. And uh, and then at that point, it jumps over on Nolan Creek Trail and then jumps over to a bunch of other little like trails that will go down, I think, maybe um there's so many of those little ones back there and, and i can't kind of remember them all but i, I do know it'll end up on mount sterling it'll, you'll go along mount sterling ridge you'll go along beach beach gap uh the only shelter inside the smokies that it will go by is laurel uh laurel gap shelter which is a really pretty shelter i like it and uh the last campsite on there is mount sterling fire tower so that's a cool place to camp. Ah, cool. And it's actually, that's the highest point along that trail. So it's up around 6,000 feet. So uh, definitely something alternative uh, for people who are interested in another long trail, maybe don't have a lot of time, you know, to, to take off or they want to section hike it even, you know, this might be a good, a good uh, opportunity. So... This is a good segue because we are in the Smokies at this point with the Benton Mackay to maybe find out more about, um, I know you've been a 
a big advocate and proponent of uh, cleaning up uh, the Smokies for Leave No Trace, for educating people about it and for, you know, going out there and, you know, getting to work and piling things into trash bags and hauling, hauling them out. So tell me more about uh, what's happening. Okay. A uh, good friend of mine, Jerry uh, Willis and his wife, Darlene, they started an organization called Save Our Smokies. <clears throat> now me and Jerry, we, we connected very early on, you know, very, very early on. It, that was actually right after my whole Max Pat's thing. And we can go into that here a little bit later, but we connected up, joined forces on this. And then once a month, we're in there picking up trash along the roadsides. We're picking up litter. We're, we're going to the pull-offs. We're going to different different spots like that. We're not going out on trails or anything of that nature. And and what sparked all this is Jerry and some friends were on a uh, on a hike there in the Smokies, and they were driving through, and they seen all this litter on the side of the road, and nothing was ever being done about it. So they were like. Let's do something about it. We're going to do something about it. You know, so uh, at that point, you know, we connected up. And since mid-December, when we uh, kind of joined forces, collectively with us and our volunteers, we've removed three tons of trash oh off gosh. the side of the roads wow. and pull-offs. And, and at this point, I think we're at 21 truckloads or something like that. Uh, what we've actually hauled out there. We've been addressing uh, illegal dump sites within the park boundaries. And I want to be very clear. Most of the trash that we're removing from the Smokies is from locals. It's not from tourists. It's not from anything like that. Now we are, we are seeing where tourists are like, you know, throwing things out the window, but as far as majority of the trash is coming from locals and along the roadside, our number one, our best way I can describe, it, we, we have like a tier of what we collect the most. Number one, alcoholic containers, beer cans, beer bottles, moonshine jars, things like that. Next would be hypodermic needles. And uh, then the following would be water bottles, soda cans, soda bottles, things like that. You know, that's, yeah, it's sad to see you know, because the Smokies, they're just such a beautiful, sacred place and to have, you know, trash all over. And and I was going to say, I mean, you made a good point because you said it wasn't necessarily all the tourists because I know right now mm -hmm. from what I've been seeing in, in, you know, in people's feeds and everything, this is the busy season. We're in spring break and it is just crazy out there uh, right now um, on the trails. Yeah, not, I'll even back up a little bit on my tier of stuff. Actually, probably the second most collected item is TP, especially this time of year. Well, actually, they I think they've started to open them up. But typically in the wintertime, they close all the pit toilets in most of the restrooms. So people still have to go. And they usually just go on the side of the road or they'll go at a pull-off. It's not uncommon to hear stories about people pulling over to a pull-off to get out and take a picture of the beautiful view, you know, the the valley, get out of their vehicle and step in a pile of human feces. Uh, that that has happened so many times I can't even count. 
uh, I know personally for me, it's a, actually happened to me. And we were up there collecting some, doing a litter pickup. Actually, it was our very first litter pickup. And I, I stepped in a, seemed to be a fresh pile. So I, I was pretty, pretty upset about that. But that's you, nothing you can do. But. but the needles are dangerous too. You know, you don't want to oh, be stepping oh, on completely. them. You don't want kids picking them up. You know, that's just something you don't want to mess around with. You don't know yeah. what's in there. Yeah, there's a pull-off on uh, the road to nowhere, one of our cleanups we did last month. And I think I collected like 18 needles from this one location, from this one pull-off. And I know I didn't get them all. Now, you guys are using, I'm sure you're using like precautions, heavy-duty gloves. Yeah, we actually have safety protocols in, in place. We don't allow any of our volunteers to pick up needles. Uh, matter of fact, if they locate needles, handguns, knives, bottles with fluids in it that doesn't look recognizable, don't touch it. Could be like, could be cooking meth. Yep. I encountered that just up the road from my place uh, yesterday. Went to pick up a water bottle. Stuff inside didn't look like water and the bottle was like very tight. So uh, I backed off that pretty quick. We have safety protocols where we alert a park ranger and let them get involved. Uh, we found this one knife thing that was strapped and taped to a broom handle, like a long steak knife. We brought that to dispatch's uh, attention. So anytime we do anything like that, you know, we make sure that our volunteers aren't in, in harm's way. And speaking of harm's way, we usually will pick up on set, let's say if we do a Saturday morning or Sunday morning, we'll pick up from let's say eight, nine o'clock, all the way up till noon. Noon is our cutoff time. Because at that point, the roads are starting to get a little bit busy. And the amount of drinking and driving that occurs in the Smokies is completely alarming. That's why they were, you know, that's why they have the rating as the most dangerous national park, most deadly, just because of vehicle accidents. Those are not roads. Even being, you know, sober, you don't want to be messing around on those roads. Curvy, they're, yeah, they're dangerous roads. So, uh, yeah, so we want yeah. to make sure that we don't have our volunteers yeah. in danger. So, how is the National Park Service? How is the local, uh, you know, the Smoky Mountains National Park Service piece? Are, are they supportive of you guys doing this? Have you heard much from them? Yeah, yeah, we try. Uh, we've had one meeting so far this year with them. Uh, our goal is to have four meetings. We want to do one every quarter. And uh, this way we keep a lot of communication going. This way we can provide them data of what we're recovering, where we're recovering it at. And this way they can address it. And also we're turning in volunteer hours. All of our, all of our volunteers are turning in those hours to them because that helps them get a little bit more funding. And funding is a major issue for the Smokies, seeing that they are a free national park. And and, and don't want to go down into a rabbit hole, yeah. but basically this, the way the lands were acquired, uh, it's put in the charter that that park has to maintain uh, free visitation for, for people to come visit. It was actually put in the charters. So that's why the Smokies don't charge for you to enter the park generally. But anyways, uh, yeah, they're, they're really supportive. They're excited about the work that we're doing inside the park. I get a little bit critical. I tell Jerry to put me on leash, you know, because I, I, I get fired up. You know, just like any 
any organization, any business, you know, you have employees that just don't care. You know, it's just another job to them, no matter if it is a ranger position. They they don't care. And and we've run into some of those uh, employees. Most of the employees inside the Smoky Mountain National Park absolutely love us. We love them. Uh, they're excited that we're there helping them out because simple fact, the Great Smoky Mountain National Park is underfunded and under budgeted. They're understaffed and the infrastructure was put in the late 1930s, early 1940s. It wasn't intended to have five or eight million people a year to visit, yet alone 13 million what we had last year. So they're overwhelmed. They're yeah. If it wasn't for Save Our Smokies, if it wasn't for Friends of the Smokies or the Great Smoky Mountain Association and other volunteer projects, the Park Service would have to close their doors. And that was a confirmation that I got from them in one of the meetings that we had is, you know, if it wasn't for all this, if it wasn't for the extra money coming in through donations and things of that nature, they would have to close the gates because they couldn't afford to keep it open. And and it's a sad truth, but, but it just shows you where we're at and how important all these volunteer organizations are and how much good work that they do. And so one of our goals is just to try to strengthen the volunteer side of it up, doing what we can do, controlling what we can control. We're just trying to do what we can to, our goal is obviously make the Great Smoky Mountain National Park litter-free. Reality, we'll never be able to do that. But that is a goal of ours because we want to see it the way Horace Kephart envisioned that it could be whenever he was fighting so hard to have those mountains preserved as a national park. So we feel like hopefully someday we can get to that. There's a lot of different steps that need to be taken in order to get to that. You know, maybe... Maybe someday we can raise enough money where we can pay for either a subcontractor or an employee or two and provide a vehicle that all their job is just to pick up trash inside the park. That's it. Just roadside litter. That's all their job would be. Or maybe help figure out a way for Friends of the Smokies to allot more money for pit toilets so that the pit toilets stay open year round. Because right now, Friends of Smokies pays for all the pit toilets inside the National Park. Oh, so, so that's not even a National out, Park Service type thing. It's it's being funded. It's being funded by that. So many other things are being funded, like burning of the grass uh, in Cades Cove. I think they spend $15,000 a year just to burn the grass in Cades Cove. I'm sure there's a reasoning for that. I just, it burns me. Yeah. <laughs> that that much money has been spent on burning grass whenever we could keep pit toilets open and keep human feces off the roads and out of the streams. Cause we actually have picked up, you know, we've seen feces with toilet paper and wet wipes inside of a stream flowing inside the park. And the park doesn't even use salt on the roads cause they want to, they don't want to contaminate the, the streams. So to me, it's like, okay, let's double down on our priorities. If it's clean water that we're really like trying to accomplish, it starts with what's on the roads. And if feces is all over the roads, then we've got to deal with that. 
and how to keep that off the road is by putting it in the pit toilet. So that's just one of our things. And um, we get very aggravated with that. And I guess my pet peeve with that really stemmed from Max Patch, from everything I found up there. Yeah, let's talk about that because I was thinking about it when you were talking about the pit toilets and how you were trying to work to get, um, is it the, is it the forest service who's over yeah, it? So forest let's, service. Let's, okay. Yeah. All right. Let's, yeah, let's tell the story about, um, Max patch then of, of at least your, okay. your interaction with mid. It. Yeah. Mid September, I went out to, uh, Asheville to be on a little TV show. Some friends of mine were recording on my way back. I figured, Hey, it's been a while since I've been to Max patch. Let's, uh, let's stop there, camp overnight, you know, and then go home next day. I got there kind of early and set up way uh, down on this lower shelf. <clears throat> and I just noticed like a stream person that, I mean, it was all college kids, but they're like nonstop going up the mountain. I didn't think nothing about it. And um, I'm just kind of laying there. So I get out and kind of walk around my little campsite area and I found this huge dump site on the side of Max Patch. So blankets, um, quilts, pillows, garbage, you name it, it's all there. So I clean it up, I take a picture, and I post it. And some friends of mine were actually coming up there, so they came up there and they hauled it off for me. So the next morning, found out another friend was on the other side of the mountain, basically doing the same thing I was doing, but, you know, over on the other side. So we met up and we did like this big old circle around Max Patch, just picking up trash. So that day we hauled off a truckload of trash on that initial thing. That night, another friend of mine, Mike Wormer, I think is his last name. His Instagram is a sketch and a prayer. Okay. Uh, he had a, yeah, he had the drone footage of showing like 400 tents on top of Max Patch. It was like something stupid. And... He took that that evening after I did did the cleanup, and another person shared that, and I got the photo, asked Mike if I could share it as well, and shared that, and that post went viral. It reached over a million people, uh, which just blew me away, and we had all this outrage and all this, like, I can't believe Max Patches had done this way. So we set up a cleanup the following Saturday and only 12 people showed up out of a million that were just so outraged. And, but we cleaned it up and uh, the forest service was there with a presence and they hauled off the trash after we collected it all. And after that, I, I went there like once a week and every week I'd haul off a truckload. And a lot of times it was just abandoned tents, abandoned sleeping bags, Everything still had the tags on them. Uh, so I kind of got curious what was going on. So I went, because I typically go on a Sunday, clean it up after the weekend. I went on a Friday, and it was college kids. And they were pulling 40-quart coolers up the mountain. Uh, they were dragging wagons with firewood. I witnessed one time they cut down the AT marker post where it goes over the bulb. They cut those down to burn those or cut little saplings to burn those. 
I mean, it was like the Wild West up there. There's so many fire pits. Fire pits that are five feet from each other. So it's like that's how close they're camping to each other. It was just something crazy. And then the PCs and the TP and the used Finman products and things like that, just laying everywhere. So, you know, I cleaned up once a week and we try to get the forest service involved with it, you know, making recommendations of we need a pit toilet down at the parking lot. Because there is no toilet, There's no facilities. And this is a very, for people, um, I mean, I think it's a lot of the listeners popular. know about Max Patch because it's uh, so well known and beautiful. But if you don't, it's you know this gorgeous bald, right? Like three hundred and sixty mm-hmm. views, you know, beautiful, right? And also close to Asheville, so yeah. you know it. Uh, so a very kind of uh, well known area, and you know, kids yeah. are going to go out there and and party, right? Well, and one of the problems we had was COVID. COVID wasn't allowing all these college kids to party on campus. They couldn't gather, so yeah. they had to go somewhere to gather. So I think that was probably something behind it because just looking up the geotags and the hashtags and stuff like that on social media, I could count during the months of September and November of 11 different colleges that were being represented there on MaxPath. So, and UT was the worst offender. But um but yeah did you reach out to any of the colleges because i know some of them have greek you know like their fraternities sororities they do a lot of service work was there ever a way to maybe partner with them or just kind of like try to educate that i i I personally didn't Mm -hmm. um i know one time i did find um some information this one kid left a sleeping bag there's these whiskey bottles and everything laying everywhere. So I documented everything. Before I remove anything, I take pictures and video. A lot of times I'll even shoot video as I'm like picking it up. But this had this kid's name, phone number, has parents' phone number, all this. So I take this information, give it to the part, give it to the Forest Service, to the head ranger, and say, here you go. Yeah. This is what I recovered you have first dibs uh-huh. and I checked with them like a month or two later and they're asking them say, Hey, whatever came of that? Oh, we didn't do nothing with it. So it's like, it's like there's, there it's, it's hard to get action. And, and I've already sent three emails this year to see what the forest service has done to p- prepare for this. Cause it's going to happen again. And yeah, well, uh, so far, nicer, nothing. Right. And it's kind of that time yeah. for people to. to start. Yeah. Yeah. I didn't bother to go out there in December or January because college kids don't don't like cold weather. So I wasn't too worried about Max Patch being like overrun. But now it's starting to get it. And um, I think uh, a lot of us are kind of holding off on doing any cleanup. We want to kind of like kind of shows the Forest Service and maybe others uh, how bad this place is going to be if it wasn't for the volunteers coming and yeah. picking, basically playing mama for cleaning well, up the kids' and rooms. You, you guys have a lot on your plate with the Smokies. So yeah. how can yeah, you, and, and, you know, kind of do everything? Yeah. And uh, so, but also Max Patch Road is actually North Carolina State Road. And North Carolina State law states that you can't park on the side of the North Carolina State Road. 
But yeah, Mark, that road at Maxpatch, I've seen video, a four minute long video of a person driving up Maxpatch Road with vehicles on the side. Four minutes long. That's how many vehicles that were parked on the side of this road. No that citations. That doesn't sound fun to me. <laughs> no citations. Nothing like that. And mm. and and I've asked the the Forest Service about it. It's like, why not write citations? And they don't want to deal with it. I can't get a straight answer or nothing. Yeah. I would love it. I, I would. I would love to do whatever I can. You know, obviously I have been up there picking up trash, but actually there's. Um, one thing that we're actually looking at doing, Save Our Smokies, along with several other groups, like we're getting in touch with Carolina Mountain Club. They do the maintenance there at Max Patch. They've been working extra hard on this place, trying to get people not to use unofficial trails going up the side of the mountain. They've planted rhododendrons and put up fences for people to stay out of that area. And those people move the fence and they pull up the rhododendrons by the roots toss it aside so they can go up the side of the mountain. I've physically seen that. But so they're working really hard trying to like make make it lessen the impact as much as they can. But uh, I know there for a while the um, I know I'm bouncing all over the place. I'm, I'm like one of those little like rubber balls that you bounce inside the hard room. It's like doo, 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 doo. I'm kind of like that right now. My brain's firing so fast. But anyways, um, they, the Forest Service, I mean, at the end of the year, they were looking at moving the parking lot down the road a piece. So it's further away. Blocking up, fencing off the trail, like chain link fencing off the side trail that goes up to Max Patch and making you take the AT down the road up, which is much narrow, a lot more windy, a lot oh. more difficult to do. So it wouldn't just be kind of limit that access for people just go. to go up there. You know, you got to make, and I mean, come on, the views, are, you know, the views are much better when you work for them a little. Yep. yep. So there, there are talks of doing that, talks of a study of maybe adding a pit toilet, maybe not, whatever. Uh, but at the end of the day, I've not heard anything else. Like I said, I've sent three yeah. emails and not gotten anything back yet. I'm hoping. I'm I'm hopeful. I know uh you know I'm I'm optimistic that you know that the Forest Service, you know, really wants to manage this area responsibly. I know there for a while we were talking uh, maybe doing like permits. You had to have a permit if you wanted to go up there. Uh no fires was another option and no overnight camping was another option. And the only way you could overnight camp is if you were an AT through hiker and you had your AT through hiker badge. So well, they're doing that out West. I mean, that's yeah. really common on, on the trails out West. They yeah. even did uh put, you know, new, I mean, it's growing because of the popularity. Well, sure. The well, sure. agencies are realizing that we've got to limit the impact to these, uh, these natural resources because you create those side, uh, side trails, you, you do things, you, you damage such a fragile, you know, kind of ecosystem there. And, and yeah. it takes years to, to clean yeah. up or to, you know, to re regrow and re, re, uh, re kind of regenerate that. So yeah, it's really important to, 
to kind of, uh, I guess, support all that? Yeah, I remember used to, uh, not too long ago, actually, just a couple of years ago or a few years ago, that uh, the Forest Service used to mow the grass up on top of Max Pack. Someone would come up there and they would mow that. And I think they told me they haven't had to do that in two years. And that last year was the worst. That I mean, it's just trampled down to where there's probably grass won't grow. old spots. And oh, I, I'm sort of you know, yeah, um, yeah. That's it's hard to think about uh, these beautiful places getting you know overloved. Yeah, but I, I try to encourage people to be responsible. You know, number one, let's recreate responsibly. And how we recreate responsibly is we follow the seven principles to leave no trace. And, but for me, it's even deeper than that. It's more than just the seven principles. I think there's an eighth principle. And that eighth principle is share it digitally responsibly. Be digitally responsible. You know, don't geotag a location if it doesn't have a bathroom to support the visitation numbers or infrastructure or staff or anything of that nature. And before you geotag something, think about what is gonna be my impact on this location. What's my digital impact, my digital footprint? Can this place handle thousands of more people? Cause that's a result of our post. People see them and they wanna go, they wanna go to that location. Now, personally, I don't geotag. Uh, I, honestly, I think it's stupid. Uh, I, I don't like, I don't see why the importance is of, you know, the geotag feature to, to give someone instant GPS coordinates to location. It, it just, our society has fine-tuned itself to that instant self-gratification at this point that if anybody had to wait for anything, they would just lose their mind. But for me, it's not that I'm not going to share my location. I'm happy to share it with you. Message me. Then we get to have a little conversation. I get to make sure you understand how fragile this spot is and why it's so important to, to not geotag it and just be responsible about it. You know, there's a particular waterfall on the Blue Ridge Parkway that's been one of those that nobody's wanted it geotagged. To, to lessen the impact on that spot because it's really difficult to get to. Uh, and once you're there, there's like moss everywhere, like moss all over the rocks. And it's just really beautiful, stunning. Now there's so many people going to it because somebody geotagged it here and there that the rocks no longer have moss on them in a lot of spots. And there's people taking dogs back there. They're actually having to carry them and like lower them down this rock face to, to get them up there to the you know, huge slick, muddy mess. It's just, it's a prime example of why, why we shouldn't geotag. Another prime example is the monoliths in Utah. That whole like experiment fiasco just showed you oh, if quickly. so many people goes to a, yes. yeah, really fast to one little spot, Trampling vegetation. I mean, it it changed the little, you know, microecology there, the the ecosystem there, because people are like using the bathroom everywhere. They're driving on top of fragile vegetation. They're walking. There, there's no specific specific path. Everybody's just coming in from different angles. 
it was a mess. And to see those guys come in in the middle of the night and dig that thing up and haul it out in the wheelbarrow, and as they're walking out saying, leave no trace, to me, those guys are my hero. You know, they seen what damage that was being done. Who knows? Those guys could have been the same ones who put it there. You never know, just to run an yeah, experiment. Yeah. I'm not, I don't want to like throw them under the bus or anything yeah. like that, but you but just we don't never know, who know what, what's going yeah. on. We don't know who put it there, but I know who took it out and, and super proud that they made that decision. But that just shows you what kind of impact that you're making digitally on the outdoors. So, you know, um, to follow the leave no trace principles and recreate responsibly and to look at our digital um, footprint and the footprint that we are leaving. You know, you mentioned a couple of organizations. You mentioned the one you're part of, Save Our Smokies, and you mentioned the Carolina Mountain Club. You know, those are, I think, we have to get ourselves behind. The organizations that are out there, you know, whether I'm here in Michigan and someone else is in California, but if we all love the Smokies, we gotta help the people on the ground are doing it so what are you know do you guys have events that are coming up do you uh, you know try to to do any type of fundraising you know what are some things i guess give people ideas who either want to help physically and be there or want to help in some other way well if you want to kind of support save our smokies it's pretty easy uh we have both facebook and instagram page i run the instagram page and help out with the Facebook page. Uh, but Save Our Smokies on Facebook. We have an events page. You drop down to that events page, and it has all of our events scheduled out for the next month or two. I can tell you now, uh, we're experimenting with a little thing where every third Saturday, we're in the Smokies cleaning up. So you can set your calendar to just infinity. Mm-hmm. Let's hope so. Sorry, I'm drinking the beer because it's National Beer Day. It's actually a non-alcoholic beer. It's a non-alcoholic beer. Really? What is it yeah. called? Yeah. Oh, athletic. athletic. I've heard of them. Yeah. I've heard of them. Good stuff. Good stuff. Okay. okay. Uh, anyways, get back to Silver Smokies. Uh, every third Saturday, we're cleaning up and smoking somewhere. So you can sign up, come out, help. It's usually about half a day. So... The second part of your day, go do a hike. Go take some pictures or, or just enjoy the park. First part of the day, give back a little bit. Make the Smokies a little more beautiful. Make the roadsides a little cleaner. When we do roadside cleanup, we don't pick up just what's the five feet next to the road. We go down the embankment. We, we clean that road all the way up. You're obviously so doing it safely, though, when you're going down. We are. We are. Uh, there's been a few spots where, you know, we've had to use, like, repelling harnesses and things like okay. that to drop down to get those things. But, uh, you know, a lot of those things will have people who are experienced hikers do that part. And the other folks that don't do a lot of hiking or, or don't feel that agile, whatever, we let them pick up next to the road. And, you know, we want to make, make sure people are safe while they're doing all that, too. We have our own signage. Everybody has a vest that we hand them, grabbers. You don't pick up TP with your hands. Everybody has gloves. We use the grabbers for the TP. Just a lot of different things like that. So every third 
Saturday for cleaning up in the park. And if you want to donate or something like that, you can also go to the Facebook page, send Jerry a message. Uh, I think we have a Venmo, a Venmo set up now and a PayPal. You can donate that way. We are a nonprofit, just our nonprofit status. And um, uh, we just elected our officers. You know, when you're a nonprofit, you have to have board of directors and all that other stuff. So Jerry's the president. I'm the VP. And uh, so that, that's that's all that. So, but yeah, you can donate that way. Uh, I'm going to try to do some, probably start sharing some of that information because our ultimate goal is to raise funds so we can get more people on the ground, maybe permanently, maybe support some local jobs of getting some people in there that clean up on a regular basis, or maybe use that money to go towards pit toilets so that they're open year round. Either way, all of that's going back. Also, third weekend, third Saturday, July, make a note. Okay. We're doing Max Patch. Okay. We're doing Max Patch, but we're not doing Max Patch by ourselves. We're going to join up with so many other organizations from Western North Carolina, East Tennessee. We're all coming together for Max Patch. We're going to do a big, huge cleanup of Max Patch. Until then, I ain't touching it. I want to show the I want to show the national the National Forest Service how nasty this place gets when someone isn't there cleaning up. And maybe at that point, maybe they'll understand the importance of okay, we need trash bins like I've requested. So who knows? Right, do you have that information also on the Save Our Smokies uh, Facebook page? Does it talk about that event too? Then. Uh, this thing is still like forming, like coming okay. together. All like, right. So, we're, so just, we're making it, we're making right. contact with, with so people. people. So that, just pin it, that pin might, it somewhere on your, on your calendar. Okay. Yeah. Write it in your, your yeah. calendar on your phone. Save that time. I mean, save that date. All that. Mm -hmm. We're going to be there. We're going to be cleaned up. Rain or shine. We're going to be there doing it. Uh, the only thing that will stop us that time of year is actual lightning storms, things of that nature. But typically, if we can get in there early enough, you just don't have to deal with any lightning or anything like that. But, but yeah, that that's that's going to be huge. We're going to get the. I'm telling you, it's going to be big. It's going to be big. <laughs> okay. Uh, I I get pretty excited thinking about because you know this is something that's just come together this past week. Um, me and a friend of mine, Christy Parsons, uh, started talking oh, about this the other day. She and, is a great advocate. For the Smokies she, and a very talented woman, is, very talented. She is amazing. She's amazing. We we should be brother and sister. And I, I got to figure out a way to <laughs> like fix my adoption papers or something. But I'm I'm telling you, the work she does behind the scene is blow people's minds. So she's a huge advocate for the Smokies. Loves the Smokies. No one can ever question that love or passion. And. Uh, I think she has the connections to make this, to pull this thing off. We're going to bring it together and make it something big. Outside that, we're just, uh, oh yeah, also July, don't, don't like quote me on this, but maybe July we might be doing another Race the Trace challenge. Okay. We've had quite a few different corporate partners that partnered with us the last time that's already told us, hey, we want to do this thing again. 
And uh, we'll do this one a little bit different where the last one we picked three winners and those three winners got like a buttload of like gear. This time we're going to do it a little bit different. We're going to have many more winners. Each person gets one item. It could be a quilt. It could be a backpack. It could be uh, app gear hoodie. All good it stuff. Be all good stuff. All then. good stuff. <laughs> yeah, so it's going to be spread out across the board so more more people win. Yeah, the go behind that is just to get people out picking up trash. That's it. You don't have to follow the companies. You don't have to do any of that. All those companies know that we're not doing it for to get likes. We're not doing it to get follows. We're doing it to give back. And Good. and that's one of our things that we're very adamant about. No one's required to follow me. No one's required to like me or like anything. All we want is you to pick up trash, share what you're doing, use, use, the, a, hashtag. use a hashtag. Yep. Okay. And then uh, and then you'll find see them. See what happens. Yeah. Yeah. I'll hunt them down. <laughs> so I have, you know, and I'll put links to all of this, you know, in the show notes. But before we we close for tonight, I, I do want to talk about you and Chris uh, working on yeah. something. Because, you know, because back in the day when, you know, you first came on, it was about, um, you know, the Uinta Mountains and, yeah. and Highline. And, uh, and now you guys are joining forces again to do a project. So what, what's that about? Yeah, you know, back in 2018, me and uh, I got to be part of a project called Highline. Uh, you can go over to Amazon. I think Google Play still has it. Uh, quite a few other places has it. You can watch that that documentary. Documentary about five friends who are hiking and why, and they share their stories of why they hike. And we just happen to be hiking the Uinta Highline Trail over in Utah, and I personally get to share my story in that in that film. Now, my life has changed a lot since the film was made and, and all that, but the film actually premiered last year, very early last year, right when COVID hit, just about. So, you know, that really didn't hurt the film that much. Uh, people still came out and seen it. Uh, when everything went to shut down, we moved it automatically over to Amazon so everybody could still go and see it. So we just kind of sped that process up just a little bit. Anyways, fast forward, Chris reached out to me a while back and asked if I'd be willing to be a part of another project. And instead of this time, I'm not going to be in the film. I'm only shooting still video or, or still photos. And I'm shooting some video behind the scenes stuff for that film. Also, Matt is going to be a part of that project. He's shooting video and shooting some photography as well but but yeah kind of cool to get to go to alaska uh we'll be on the kenai peninsula shooting uh this this story is going to be about another friend of mine named tara and she shares her incredible story amazing woman i've gotten to connect with her this year and uh just really inspired by her story and how she turned that around and uh, how faith has really worked in, in her story. It's really, really cool just to be a part of that. Just just to be able to like, shoot, go to Alaska just to shoot pictures. When are you, so when are you going? When when are you filming and, and doing we're, all that? We're actually going middle June. 
we're going like June 13th through I'm coming back on the 27th or 28th. The rest of the crew is leaving two days earlier. Me and Matt are staying a couple of days just to be the tourists. That's kind of our thing. You got to. Uh, yeah. But also, also I may connect with a friend of mine that works up there for a TV station now. And he mentioned to me he has an extra pair of waders in the in a rod. So I may have You're to go try my hand at some salmon fishing. So <laughs> never uh, done it before. Never. So I'm I'm excited about, you know, yeah. maybe going out for a few hours one day and trying that out. But I think me and Matt are going to go look for, um, I think there's an ice field or a glacier or something like that that he's wanting to go check out. So kind of do that thing. But you figure we're going to be up there during the summer solstice. So it's going to be like sun 24-7. So that's that's going to be going to be kind of cool to kind of cool to do. So I'm, I'm, I'm very excited about that. But I know this summer in, in May, late May, I'll be going out to Arizona, spend some time with, uh, with my, with my good friend out there. And, um, we're going to do like the National Park Fleet. We're going to hit Southern Utah. We're going to hit New Mexico, probably hit Joshua Tree and just try to hit a few different places. And, um, that'd be kind of cool. And then in August, I'll be doing the John Muir Trail again. So super excited about you that. Keeping busy. You're keeping busy. <laughs> <laughs> taking my summer taking yes. my summer off just like I did in 2018. All right. So, um, well and, and so for the film, um, too, just I'll put some links, but it's from um, Outmersive Films. So just to, yes. to throw that in there so, so everyone knows if they don't already. Well, Benny, it's been great to catch up with you and yeah, always, hear about what you're always. doing. Yeah, so I, I will uh, have to keep my pins ready for, for some of these events coming up. I feel, yeah. you know, I need to get back to the Smokies. It's, uh, it's been eaten away at me. I've been gone too long. So, so some, sometime yep. soon I will be down there. That's good. Looking forward to it. So thanks again for listening and being part of season three of Hike. I hope you all stay along for the adventures that are to come in season four. I will be exploring and podcasting from the trail here in Michigan. Also, I couldn't have done any of this without my patrons. So I want to thank Tim, Greg, Liesel, Colin, Aaron, and Julie. You have made this possible by allowing me to keep this show hosted and then for me to focus on the interviews and bringing content. If you're able to donate and help me with supporting the show, please go out to my Patreon page and you can find a link in the show notes and learn more about supporting me, the show, and keeping the content going. Of course, other ways to support the show are sharing with a friend, leaving me a five-star rating and a review so that others can find it and it gets the show noticed. Please check the show notes so that you can connect with Benny, that you can leave me some feedback, tell me what you want to hear. I can be reached at The Hike Podcast on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, and you can drop me an email, hikepodcast at gmail.com. So until next time... 
See you on the trail. <laughs>